I'm Maserati E. And I'm Chris Redlitz. Welcome to The Last Mile Radio. We're paving the road to success. No lie. I've been on a mission for a while. Finally, I see the last mile. I've been on a mission for a while. Finally, I see the last mile. Hey, paving the road to success. I'm paving the road to be my best. I'm paving the road to success. Yo, E. Chris, what up, what up, what up? Today's guest is pretty special. We are going to be talking to Linda Perry. Linda Perry is in the building. She's a really unique, energetic, and you'll find transparent person who's achieved huge success in the music business in spite of her challenges with drugs, neglect, and chaos. This is true. She is hugely successful as an artist, but she found even greater success as a writer and producer. She is a key component to the success of Pink, Gwen Stefani, and Christina Aguilera, just to name a few. And as a matter of fact, Linda wrote and produced the song Beautiful for Christina, a career-defining moment, like, for sure. And she was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2015. That's amazing, amazing career. And, you know, what's, what's really interesting about that is that, you know, she was a lead talent. You know, she was the lead singer for Four Non Blondes, and they had the huge success with the song What's Up in the early 90s. But she decided that she was going to lead talent and support talent and empower talent instead of being the talent. And um, she is became sort of the go-to person, as you mentioned, for some of those artists to be a hit maker in the recording industry for many, many years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Chris, I, I got to say, I went back into the archives, bro. I went back to listen to her music and the lyrics. And one of the songs that really resonated with me was you, that song, The Letter. The letter really stuck with me. It, it was the I first love that time. Song. Right? Yeah. I, how could you not? And, and it was the first time she recorded her original song in many years. So it, it was well overdue. So some of the lyrics I can relate to as a part of like my incarcerated experience. I'm, I'm not going to sing it. I ain't going to butcher her song like that. I'm going to just go ahead and read it off. But <laughs> <laughs> trying to be strong. Yeah, I've been living on the edge for so long. I've been waiting for light to show me the way. What I wanted wasn't crazy. All I needed was some light in my life. Like, that is extremely powerful right there. I could definitely relate to that sitting in a cell at the age of 17. You know what I mean? Waiting for that spark, waiting for that spark of light, which eventually came, and it was much needed. But that definitely, you know, pulled on my heartstrings a little bit. So it's almost like you're uh, breaking the mold, right? You know, for it's, real? Um, yeah, it really is sort of different lyrics, but the, it's sort of the the, the same premise. But um, she's also got a platform for social good. And this is something we'll talk about with her. But, you know, uh, she really wants to help close the gender gap in the recording business. Um, there are not a lot, not a, enough women, producers, engineers, uh, people sort of behind the mic. And um, she's really formalized her mission to create equity and inclusion in the music business by founding an organization called Equalize Her. Hmm. And it's an initiative to achieve equal representation for women across all aspects of the music industry, from recording studios to stages, even to the boardrooms. You know, this is something that I think we can collaborate with, to be honest with you, in the last mile. Oh, you know, yeah. we're also trying to address gender equality and launch new audio video production programs, which we have. And the newest one is going to be in the California Institute for Women in Chino, uh, which is really close to downtown LA. Yeah, CIW's women prison. It, it, it's needed. Chris, you know, you you know me, man. I, I'm definitely an advocate for the women. I definitely want to put on for the women because it's needed. It, it's needed for so many different reasons. One of them, I'm just against oppression. And I do feel like women are oppressed people. So as men, we got to do better. I'll be the first to say it if it ain't already been said. We got to do better. Absolutely. But yeah. Um, yeah, this program will definitely, definitely really resonate with the women in CIW. I remember when I first stepped into the media center in San Quentin and realized that that environment was like quite literally going to change my life. Like stepping in there, I was able 
for one to be exposed to things that I was never exposed to previously on a professional level. But ultimately, I was able to attain the skill set of navigating people. You know what I mean? Networking and things like that, which is extremely important. Yeah. And I hope that her involvement also inspires other artists to get involved because, you know, the impact of artists getting involved in criminal justice reform would be huge. So, you know, hopefully our engagement with her and her involvement will inspire others to be involved. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is a huge opportunity. And I know as an audio engineer myself with the grit and drive, this is like perfect uh, to, to, to be, you know, a last mile graduate that would be very successful. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of famous and accomplished people on the show. And it's it's really you. I think we'll see in our conversation very insightful to, to witness the humbleness and thoughtfulness uh, that she has, you know, we've, we've experienced that with 50 cent, you know, on the entertainment side, hugely successful, but very humble, you know, governor Eric Holcomb, who we interviewed super humble guy, but very successful. And today with Linda Perry, I think we'll, we'll find the same thing. She has a huge heart and, you know, I think we really look forward to working together on our collective missions. Oh, yeah, man. We saw another side of Linda Perry, that that raw and real, committed to changing the status quo. And I, I got to admit, she's a genius. And I'm so happy that we got to connect. She is truly a force. And in my neighborhood, the music is mostly rap, hip-hop, R&B. Um, but I have a new appreciation for pop and rock and the people behind the music. Like, so serious. So stay tuned for our conversation with Linda Perry. She won't hold anything back. So buckle up for Linda Perry right here on the Last Mile Radio on Sirius XM. Yes, yes, yes. And we are back. We are back right here on the Last Mile Radio on Sirius XM. It's going down. And I got to say, Chris, I am so excited to announce today's guest. As a performer, as a writer and producer myself, I'm in absolute awe of what our guest has accomplished. I must say, we're going to start off early giving flowers. We give out flowers on this show for sure. (laughs) And you definitely deserve your flowers. Her focus on empowering women in all aspects of the music and entertainment business. She is a hugely successful artist, producer, and a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Linda Perry, welcome to the Last Mile Radio. Thank you for coming. Thank you for those flowers. I never get flowers, so I'll take well it. Deserved. It's well deserved. Absolutely. He loves I, to give flowers. This is true. I, yes. I appreciate that. So, Linda, it's really an honor to have you on the Last Mile Radio. We finally made this happen. So we're excited. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you about, you know, the things you're doing today to create more equity and equality in the music and entertainment business. But first, it would be insightful for our audience to hear about your background, some of your early life challenges and overcoming those challenges to launch this incredibly successful career. We have many people in the Last Mile community and within our listening audience who are on their own transformative journeys. So your story is super inspirational and motivational for them. Yeah, well, um, thank you. Yeah, I it it's amazing because um survival, depression, darkness and pain is what has got me here. Um I don't recommend that being the way to become successful, but you know, when you are living in that type of surrounding all you can do is try to look up and see how you can aspire to get out of where you are. We all have our stories, don't we? Some, you know, and it's like, uh, you, we can't judge people's journey and their pain because pain is pain. It was very tough. I had a very tough family and I didn't know what to do. And I was very, um, creative route right off right out of the box you know and 
I just kind of started, I was a loner and I was, I guess, weird. People didn't like hanging out with me because I never thought I was supposed to be here. I thought I was born in the wrong time, Mm. which was interesting. I always felt that way. I always felt like I'm not supposed to be here right now. And, um, and I think that that kind of really helped me navigate trying to get out, you know, and so I became very creative. I started, you know, playing guitar, started writing songs. I, I acted out in my brain. I was acting, I was doing a lot of stuff, creating imagination, you know, all that stuff and, um, and very independent. So those were all the ingredients for my success. Um, and when I got older, I kind of just started defining myself. So I didn't have to think, okay, trouble's not where, I mean, I've been in jail. I was like, you know, thrown in jail for 10 days. I remember that and being put in isolation because they thought I was crazy and that I would kill myself. And, and that's hard for an 18 year old. You know, I just turned 18 and they nabbed me and threw me in, in jail. And it was super funny because I was handcuffed and everything. And, and I remember being in this holding tank with all these, you know, hookers, you know, and they're like, you know, going, girl, what are you in here for? You got <laughs> all got you chained up like you're some mass murderer. And I was wow. like, well, I had some parking tickets and I have some violations of, you know, um, uh, disturbing the peace. And they're like, are you kidding me? And they have you chained up like that, you know, because I was like all chained Right. And the shackles and and everything. Right. All of it. The shackles, you know, in in a holding tank, you know, with all these awesome, beautiful hookers, you know, like that were just like these prostitutes were they were gorgeous. And, and, you know, I was from San Diego and it actually was super fun because I was just being able to talk to these women and they were giving me all this attention. And um, But it really was interesting where I kind of kept falling into trouble, drugs, all of it, you name it, I've done them all. Um, And then I think when I hit uh, 19, I fell off this building, literally fell off a building and I survived. And I remember going, okay, it's time to, you know, maybe change your lifestyle. And then I did. I just flipped it. That was the wake up call, you know, total wake up call. But I flipped it and then started to get more serious and really defining myself. And then you you went from San Diego to the Bay Area where we're all Bay Area fans where we started companies there, ease in the Bay Area. Absolutely. That was a part of your journey was to go to the Bay Area. And that's where people like. We started a tech company. People thought we were sort of crazy. We started the last mile in the Bay Area. So it's a place where people go where they have maybe crazy ideas. Was that more sort of an, an environment that would, you know, sort of foster your creativity? Well, I have to say, without sounding cheesy, so uh, this girl, I didn't even know her. It was it was New Year's Eve of, of 87. I believe, um, New Year's weekend. And she was from San Francisco and I was, you know, um, you know, couch surfing at this friend's house. So this girl, um, Jenny shows up and she's like, Sue, it's, you know, come to San Francisco with me. I don't want to drive by myself and it's going to be a blast. And, and, um, and Sue was like, dude, I'm working, you know, like I can't, I work a bar, you know, I can't take off. And then she looked at me, Jenny looked at me and she's like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. She's like, you want to come to San Francisco with me, drive with me. So I have to drive by myself and I'll fly you home. And I'm like going, checking my pocket. And I'm like, I got $7. She's like, I'll, I'll pay for everything. I'm like, I'm in. Wow. <laughs> so I left. Definitely. We drove and then I kid you not, it was that feeling we're on the Bay Bridge. I see the city and something just hit me like, oh, hell, this is where I'm supposed to be. So I didn't go back for two months. I got a job. 
I got a place to live. I did all this stuff. And I went back two months later and got my rest of my things. And I mean, I didn't have much. I had maybe a, a sack full of clothes. And everybody's all, where did you go? And I'm like, oh, I moved to San Francisco, you know? And so, yeah. And then everything felt very clear there. And I found my voice. I found my songwriting um, perspective. I found my, I let out all these crazy emotions when I started writing deeper things. Because before that, I was all Shaw Day. You know, I was like, you know, really... (laughs) keeping it down here when I, I loved, I loved her, you know, and I just loved how cool she was. And it's like, okay, that lady looks cool and calm and, and grounded. I want to be like that, you know? And so I sang really jazzy down there. When I moved to San Francisco, all of a sudden this huge voice showed up and it was rock. It was loud. It was edgy. It had a bite to it. And I discovered who my true, what my true voice was um, during that move. Wow. Well, I, I have to say that I've done, when I moved there for the first time and it went across the bridge, I had the same feeling. It's one yeah. of those things, right? Yeah. And it's beautiful. And, you know, I met really great people and then I started just opening up shows and playing. I started forcing myself on in clubs. I went up to this club uh, called the night break up on a, hate street and um i just walked in there with my guitar i said i can play tonight if you need me and he's like and who are you and i'm like linda perry i was always linda perry i never was linda and um and he would just laugh at me because i would do it all the time and i'm like give him my number i'm like here here's my phone number again call me i'm telling you i'm easy i just get up on stage he didn't even you know want to listen to me and then one day I get a call from him. He's like, uh, Linda Perry. And I'm all, yeah. He's like, this is Mark from the night break. Um, so, uh, someone canceled and I need an opening act that could just get on stage. And I'm like, didn't even hang up the phone. I was just heading there <laughs> and I got there and my first show, I got a write up in the San Francisco weekly. And everybody's like, how did you do that? You just played what? one stupid show. I go, because I'm good. I told you guys that. And then <laughs> then it spread all over San Francisco and I started getting all these gigs. And then this band came to me that was called, you know, the Snake Charmers. And then they wanted me to sing in their band. And I'm like, you know, I was reluctant because I was starting to take off as a solo artist. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll join the band for fun, but I'm not going to bring any of my songs in. I'll sing your guys' songs but I have a solo career, you know, and, um, I did that. And then we turned into four non blondes. And then I kind of saw that there was something interesting here about this band. And so then I started bringing my songs in and then literally, I think it was less than a year. We got signed. We never even left San Francisco. Wow. What? That gives you inspiration. Yeah. E. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that, look, you, you see me, I'm over here just like in awe of the journey. Like, man, that's that's incredible. That's definitely yeah. incredible. But you know what, what was meant will be. And obviously you are special. And obviously it was meant for you to shine for sure. Despite you. everything, you know what I mean? All the obstacles of circumstance and whatnot, despite all that, I'm a firm believer. I don't believe in coincidence in the least bit, first off. Second, second, first off, I definitely believe, like I already said, was meant will be. So I'm definitely proud of you and grateful for your journey because it's a lot that I can take away from that as well as a bunch of others. So thank you for well, sharing I, that. You're welcome. Um, And, you know, the, I think that it's important for people, like one of the things that I'm always constantly trying to tell people is that, man, if you can think it and you can feel it and you can dream it, you can have it. You know, all you have to do is focus on it. And, um, and you know, manifesting, if you want to call it that, or just really hyper-focus, you know, and 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 wanting something badly, I think that it can help us get to where we want to go. It is our ways. It is our navigation. It is the way we get from here to there. And um, I think that people don't listen to themselves enough. Um, They don't trust that instinct enough. Um, And I don't know. I think it's because of the 
maybe the the abuse um opened up a different channel for me to be more you know um more of a frequency that collaborates with others and opens me up and I'm capable of taking on you know like a a, a tunnel a funnel uh, whatever you want to call it um channeling um but you know i think that a lot of times there's a lot of people that just kind of live life and right. very they don't go over there they don't go over there and you can see that you can see it in their looks you can see it in their actions and um they're not very um have a lot of common sense right um right. and i don't have a lot of education but I have a fucking payload of common sense. And that common sense ha- is, is the only thing I'll listen to and focus on. I, 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 def- I would definitely agree with you, Linda. Common sense ain't too common no more. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> common sense that ain't is. too common no more. <laughs> it isn't. <Man>. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, I'm shocked. You know, how I, I'm, there's a, not a day that doesn't go by that I'm like not going... Um, hello, you know, <laughs> but I, I tell my son, my son is eight years old. When we go on walks, I say, look at everything, look up, look down, look behind you, look sideways, focus on everything, take in as much as you can. If you see a red car, tell me if you see someone walking a dog, tell me when you walk into the room, I want you to know the door you walked in. I want you to see the exit. I want you to see who looks sick, who um, who looks uh, fancy, who looks bored, who looks happy. You know, focus on all of it because all of this is going to help you when you get older. And when I was a kid, that's all I did. I was like, that's why I think I was alone all the time because I didn't have time to talk to people. I was focusing on everything around me, mm-hmm. you know, and that builds common sense. It's like, how do you find a solution in the situation I'm in right now? Well. I can't look up it in a textbook. You know, you can't Google it. You just got to sit. Well, I guess you could Google it, you know, um, but you got to figure shit out. You got to figure how to get yourself out of things. And, and if you could get yourself out, if you can get yourself in, you can get yourself out. And that goes to people who, who kind of write themselves off. I have a lot of friends that are in the program and I have not been myself, but I know a lot of people in it, in all programs, and they get stuck. And they're like, I don't know how to get out. And I keep telling them, you can get out because you got in. Right. Absolutely. If you you remember how you got in, you could remember how to get out because you just go the opposite direction. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're listening to Linda Perry, Linda Perry, right here on the last mile radio on Sirius XM It's going down, it's going down. So, so Linda, you talked about being uncomfortable and always trying to get better. And that's something I can definitely relate to. I spent nine years in prison from the age of 17 to 26 and many times in uncomfortable and challenging situations. But Once I went through some serious introspection, I began working on myself and my craft to try to keep getting better. In in your opinion, why does putting yourself in uncomfortable, why does putting yourself in an uncomfortable place help you grow? Well, you know, I have so many things around that because like I'll tell one of my first signs were if somebody came to me and they said, you know, I don't like that song or I don't, I don't understand what you're doing or how you said that. And it makes me uncomfortable and it makes me angry. I already know they're right. So whatever Mm. makes me angry is because it's true. Mm. So I learned that very early on. Like I kept on going, why am I getting this emotion? Like, and then I would try to think about what they're saying. And then I would go, Oh, because I hate that they're telling me I should know this. I hate that they're telling me this right now. I should know this on my own. And so it's making me angry and defensive, 
you know, because I shouldn't know this. I don't need someone to tell me what's wrong with me. So I'd get really defensive if somebody was telling me what I should already know, because I don't want anybody to have one up on me, especially when it has to do with me, you know? Right. So I learned that really quick. And so it helped me understand a lot more. And I think that what I loved about it was I was uncomfortable with Mm. the truth. Mm. And so um, I started just being open. It's like closing your eyes and, you know, throwing a dart, you know, it's like, okay, like, here's a list of uncomfortable things. And I'm just going to close my eyes and throw the dart and hit one of them. And I don't know. I think it builds character. Um, It really helps you get out of your own ego when you're uncomfortable because now you're dealing with, okay, I'm not confident here because uncomfortable means not confident, Mm. means insecure. Yeah, I can definitely see that. You know what I mean? I'm not empowered. Right. I'm out of my realm. I'm out of control. It's not mine. I'm feeling very uncomfortable here, you know, so it's like, get me out of here. But if I started breaking down what discomfort is right. and, but then there's the discomfort that, um, is more self-abusive. Like I could walk, you know, a mile with a pebble in my shoe and not stop and pull over and just take it out. I'm so, my foot could be so uncomfortable, uncomfortable for some reason. I don't want to take it out because I mm. kind of like it. I like the discomfort. I like the vulnerability that it's giving me right now. Mm. Um, um, not drinking water for 12 hours because I just don't want to stop the project I'm in. Uncomfortable. Makes me kind of sick, but I do it. Even though I know I should stop right now, get off of the, put the guitar down. Nothing's this important. And go get a fucking glass of water, you stupid weirdo, you know? <laughs> I so can relate to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of that, like a lot of self-abuse discomfort that I'm creating myself. And then there's, so there's nothing healthy with that. But then there's the healthy discomfort of just taking yourself out of your norm because it will help you grow and become a better person to understand how to deal with so many different different, um, obstacles, you know, help you find different solutions that you're not not, not used to. Um, and it, it grows a different part of your brain. You know, what what were you able to do to get comfortable with the uncomfortable? Like, well, how were you able to like flip that switch? Like for myself, I know I had to get to a point to do that while I was incarcerated. And it's a place in San Quentin called the media center. And it's a bunch of free people there as we call them. Right. And after internalizing so many like antisocial tendencies from being incarcerated for so long, I was extremely uncomfortable with like meeting people. And that's a place where you could shake hands and all these things. And I had to get to a point to a point of a place in my mind where it was similar to like my lifestyle of criminality, where I just said, fuck it. Like I would be like, fuck it. I'm going to punch somebody. Fuck it. I'm going to rob somebody, even though I was scared and everything. So I implemented those same practices, like fuck it. I'm going to shake somebody's hand. I'm going to say hello. I'm going to introduce myself. And it was extremely uncomfortable, but that's what it took for me to flip the switch to begin to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. So for you, like, what did that process look like to flip that switch? Okay. Well, first of all, your situation is nowhere near my situation. (laughs) Um, Can I ask you, who were you before you went into prison? I was a completely different person, Linda. I had a very, very distorted belief system. Um, I One of the main things, in my opinion, that was like a causative factor that ultimately led to me responding in the way I did to the way I felt was I felt like I didn't have any value. I felt like I didn't have a voice. I felt powerless. And I overcompensated that a lot of times with violence. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I've always been small. So it's like, now I'm big with this gun. Now you're going to see me. Now you're going to feel me. Now I'm not just this weak little kid no more in my mind. Right. And that's uh, that was pretty much who I was. That's who I embodied. Like I wanted to be seen and felt. And typically the ones that I thought was being seen and felt was the people that was feared. So those were the actions and the mentality I emulated. So then when you got into prison, how did that mentality 
work for you in a in a place where probably that's what everybody is feeling. So it, it is a large amount of people that's feeling like that for sure. And initially that that switch didn't happen yet. Um, I would say like my first couple of years, I still kind of bumped my head and still definitely had a mentality of criminality. But it was like little seeds planted here and there. Like when I first got sentenced, I got sentenced to two strikes, which means if I get if I commit one more violent felony or get convicted of another felony, I do a minimum of 25 years to life. So at the age of 17, I was like a huge eye opener, like, wait a minute, maybe uh, this is kind of serious. I need to like get it together. Otherwise, this is where I will be for the rest of my life. And I didn't just immediately get it together. But I say that to say, like when I first got there, I still, you know, was bumping my head and still had uh, a lot of room to grow, if we will, for sure. Well, you're bumping your head. I mean, you'd have to do that because now you're feeling you're going into a situation where you know, you really now have to protect yourself. You have to be bigger than the next person. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so you kind of have to go in with that that armor, you know? That's what and, I thought. That's what yeah. I thought. But really, you don't. Really, if you just, one thing I learned, and that's what made it so easier um, in my journey of incarceration at the end, if we will, like it's always a struggle. It's literally one of the most dehumanizing and impressive uh, experiences you could fi- possibly face in America. But when I found the healthy support system and really began to get in tune with who I am and who I want to be and where I want to be in life, it made it so much easier to take that mask off. Like mm-hmm. that mask made my experience way more harder than it had to be because everybody's hurting and everybody wants to stop the pain. Even ones that don't act like it, like that is a mask. You know what I mean? So once I realized that and took that mask off, I realized I didn't have to wear it in the first place because I seen people that came in and knew who they were and everything like that. And people protected those kind of people. They tried to, you know, harbor and protect their innocence and keep them sheltered from the bullshit that was going on in prison. So, like, I, I don't think that's a necessity any longer to go in there wearing that mask. And that's one well, thing. Well, I I guess, that's what I guess I was trying to say is like, I guess when you're outside wearing this mask, because that's mm-hmm. what you were doing. When you go in, it seems like it's the natural thing to do. It's like, oh, shit, I got to really bulk up and wear my mask. And when really, you know, I think that that's one of the most misleading, um, uh, probably stereotypes of what um, people have about prison and people in prison. I don't think people want to be in prison, first of all. And I, I think they're, they want to get in there and it's probably a way to just, um, you know what, this is my last chance dish effort. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to expose myself. And because it's like most people who do crime, they're not bad people. They're just fell into survival. More with singer-songwriter Linda Perry when The Last Mile Radio continues after the break. The Last Mile Radio interview with Linda Perry continues. I mean, you have been successful, but you're also giving back, which is really... um, which is really critical too. I mean, that's that's obviously our mission to provide opportunities for those like E who've now evolved so much and become just a completely different person and are giving back to their communities. But you're doing that now and um, you formalize your mission to create that equity and inclusion in the music business by uh, founding Equalizer. And it would be really uh, helpful just to understand like, how did you decide to do that? I know it's a big commitment for you. We'll talk a little bit, maybe a little bit later, how we can work together on that. But that is pretty massive. And that seems to be a mission for you now. Well, you know, since I've been in, I mean, honestly, since I was born, being a woman is fucking hard. We There's a lot more difficult obstacles. There's a lot more obstacles for women out there. And that's just the truth. That's a fact. It's not me, women, men are greater, women are whatever. It's not, it's just, it's a fact. At some point, we got to help each other. So when I was younger, I was already, you know, totally, you know, working the system and trying to help people because I just felt stronger than most women. 
I've always had a macho attitude. So no one ever has given me shit because I'm like, you don't fuck with me. You know, I already show that, but I'm with, you know, I can do it with a smile as well. So when I got in the business, quickly did I find out how fucked up this business is with the men and the producers and all that stuff. So I got a lot of control very quick. And then I wanted to pass that on. So when I started writing songs for um, people, the majority were women. They were coming in and, and, and working with me and helping them understand what they're doing. This is the microphone. This is what I'm putting you through. I'm going to give you a test at the end of the day. You know, you don't have to be the sleazy um, pop star. You can be the strong-minded artist, you know, and trying to just put that stuff in. And then I noticed, like, you know, see this, Anne? Yep. Mm-hmm. Never never seen a, a, a female make an amp. Never saw a, guitar, a girl make a guitar. Wow. Pink, microphones. There's very, I mean, I'm an engineer. Like I know everything I'm doing in my studio from patch base to my equalizers, to my compressors, to everything. I'm a one man show over here. I can play drums, guitar, bass, you know, keyboards. I can mic my, my shit. I have live, you know, bands in here. I'm miking that. I'm moving microphones. I'm, I'm putting it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm engineering my project. Now, most women, when they say they're a producer, I guarantee you they don't know all that. They're a producer in the box. They know what to do in Pro Tools. Now, my shit is live. I'm always recording live. It's very old school. Now, that's a craft that not a lot of people know. Definitely right. not females. So I'm trying to engage women to n- learn that craft. And so Alicia Ballard, and myself started Equalizer to help girls understand they don't need to be the sexualized pop star, that they can be the strong-minded artist, the girl at the produ- in front of the control board, the girl behind you know, the, the engineering, the mastering, the mixing, the keyboard designer, the microphone designer, the, 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 the tour manager, the live sound engineer, they can be all those things. Absolutely. You know? And that's what we're trying to show, you know, the young females right now where where the power is and how we can support by giving grants, um, connecting people, um, doing a lot of different things. Definitely. Def, thank you so much for that. I just want to I just want to throw a couple stats out there um, just to kind of highlight exactly what you was talking about. As of March of 2021. Women represent only 21% of artists, 12.6% of songwriters, and 2.6% of producers. And equally staggering is the fact that fewer than 1% of popular songs are written exclusively by women, while only 30.6% of songs have a single woman writer. And beyond that, only 13.4% of Grammy nominees from 2013 to 2021 have been women. We got to do better. We yeah. got to do better. And, and on top of it, those stats, we don't even know are actually accurate because Spotify, all the streaming services have made it hard for you to identify who mm. actually is, you know, writing, producing, mixing, mastering, all that stuff. So, so one thing we just did, which I'm super excited about. So Paris Jackson, um, her and I wrote a song together equalizer um funded it you know they gave um gave her a grant and because her label ran out of money you know and didn't have any more money for her to 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 record the song so we came in paid for it the deal was we use all females so female drummer guitar player bass player mixed by female mastered by female engineered and produced by females, written by females. The artwork is by female and the video um, is by uh, uh, non-binary. And um, and so that song is called Hit Your Knees. And it's all about everything we're talking about when you can't go any lower, you know, and you've, you know, where is your God now when you're down here in the gutter, in the dirt, and you don't know how to get yourself out? Um, mm. 
And so that song is going to be, you know, we're gearing up to release that. But so she's basically going to challenge the artist. So so when we come, when this comes out, she's going to challenge her peers and go, hey, one song on your album. If you just do one song, all female on your album, that will change everything. Right. That will the, the, the stats will go up percentages higher. And then we can start seeing more action because I guarantee a lot of people don't think about it and don't like they're in the right. groove. They're in the groove with their band and their blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, they're not thinking about, I don't think it's intentional. Right. I think just like they're in a groove, they got their team. But what if you just like, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to do one song, all female. Fuck yeah. I'll, I can do that. You I know? think that's reasonable and, and very tangible. Again, we got to do better. I'm, I'm talking yeah. to the men. Men, we got to do better. <laughs> All the patriarchy and shit. We are the only well, ones that can, that can detach that system that can literally deconstruct a, a patriarchal system. So we got to do better. We got to do better. But one up on that, women need to do better. Because you know what? I was sitting here for six months alone with because my engineer, my assistant engineer quit. And so I was working for six, seven months all on my own. And I was looking for a female looking. I did not hire anybody. I've been doing three times my job because I didn't want to hire a male, you know? And so I was looking and looking and looking. And I found one that just was not qualified. Another one that again was, you know, I want to do other things. And so out of that six months, I found two women that were possibly capable of doing what I need to do, but not 100, 100%. You know mm. how many men I found that were capable of doing what I needed? Probably like 15. Yeah. Mm. Well, I so think that's we... the point. There's the women aren't out there. So when yeah. I'm looking for a guitar player that plays like Jack White or blah, 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 blah. It's hard to find her when I'm trying to find a drummer that can play like fucking Bonham. Hard to find them. You know, they're out there. I was going to say they out there. I, I feel you though, hard there. to find it's them because I think Prince, Prince showed us that they out there for sure. Oh, Even yeah. All woman band and they were fire. <laughs> yeah, totally. But we're in a different world right now. And I'll tell you why it's harder. And and this is going to be the 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 end of this part, but mm. it's because where where we are at in technology, mm. you don't yep. really need a person who knows how to engineer in a recording studio that knows how to patch things because that's not the world we're in. People are in the computer doing everything on Pro Tools on yep. you know whatever the other one's called um logic reason mm -hmm. getting up and moving microphones around they have one microphone you know how how many women came from the assistant engineer job that said when i asked them hey do you know how to patch mics and and move mics around oh no no i i just engineer in the box we just use one microphone and i'll do like some vocal tuning um lining up and comping that's what's considered an engineer, assistant engineer right now, is comping vocals, tuning them, and nothing uh, applies about miking drums or any of that stuff. We're not in that world. Well, We're in I think, land, libraries. We're in that world. Well, I think that fits so well because uh, the last mile, you know, we teach coding inside prison. We also have audio and video production that we've launched two in two men's prisons where they learned how to use pro tools and um, sort of those associated technologies. But we're going to be opening our first uh, program in a women's prison in California Institute for Women in Chino, which is very close to downtown LA. So this actually could be a great opportunity to collaborate because that's the mission for us also. I, I just want you to know from my past, um, in when I was in Four Non Blondes, when we'd have break from tour, I would go to female women prisons. I would go there. I'd bring wow. karaoke machines and they would fucking love it. So I'd host karaoke. <laughs> That's so dope. All right. We're signing you up. We're going to do that karaoke in CIW. I, 
I mean, I would ask anybody if they played and they'd get really shy, but it's like, I love that shit, you know, because it's important to make people feel like they're still in the world, in living. With that said, you know, we, we always, uh, you have had experience in and around criminal justice. So uh, again, we so greatly appreciate you giving us all your, as he says all the time, your jewels. Yeah, got to give um, you your flowers. You drop your flowers jewels. and your jewels. But if there's one thing, and there's many things that are wrong with criminal justice. But is there one thing that really sticks out with you that you would fix in the criminal justice system? Um, I think more so. It's not. It's not in the in in. It's not being inside. It's how it's outside. You know, like. It's more about, um, like I had to deal with this situation recently and it's like, they passed one crazy law to fit everybody, you know? And it's like, Mm. um, you know, if, but it's like some people are manipulating the system constantly. Um, I, I think the law, the, the courts have a lot of reconstruction that they need to do because I think that they're, they're, they're operating from a very archaic Yep. You know, um, I guess handbook, shall we say? And 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 it, it's like, for instance, like a label. If you get signed to a label, they say they love the way you are. But then as soon as you they sign you, they want to make you just like everybody else. Right. And I feel like the, the, the system does that. It's like one rule applies for so many different people. It's like, well, no, they're all different. That's right. Everybody has different things. Some people actually really do have remorse. Some people actually did make a mistake and they shouldn't be treated exactly like the people who are, that are, you know, obviously they're admitting, you know, this is who they are. This is what they did. Um, It's very hard to even answer that question because there's so many things wrong. There's so many things wrong with the police officers and the judges and and the and and the and the the government i mean it's not all just it you can't just go it's a prison yep all of it works hand in hand so in order to fix one piece you got to go outside of it first because somebody built that house you got to go find the carpenter you know, the architect. <laughs> right, right, right. That's right. You know, the person who gave you the permits to build. We need the blueprints, damn it. <laughs> you need the fucking blueprints to really even understand your question. You know, because it's a bigger, it's bigger than just, you know, like when you ask someone, how you doing? Well, do you want to know? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How I'm doing? Yeah. Or do you want me just to say, I'm fine? Yeah. Because that's well, a loaded question. How are you doing? Is a loaded yeah. question that people just just take for granted and just throw out with no thought really but how to change things one thing i can't there isn't one thing it wouldn't do anything yeah. well we're taking it step by step so yeah. we're uh, we're yeah. doing our little part and hopefully it's growing i know we're growing certainly and and impacting people across the country but you're right it's um it's a big issue and it's um changes state by state but um but I, you know what I want society to realize? It's like, this is not a, a room full of pit bulls. You know, it's like there's, there's emotional people that have had a lot of emotional, like the, when I'm talking about people, how they perceive, you know, people in prison. It's like they automatically just think the worst. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's a lot of damaged people that didn't get help. Right. There's a That's lot right. of people in prison that should not be there. There's a lot of talk about second chances, but there's many people in prison who never had a first chance, right? Right. So. Exactly. Definitely. Well, th- thank you for that. That was so much food for thought, like so serious, so much food for thought. So thank you so much. For all that. right. Definitely. And one thing that I say all the time as well is presence is priceless. So thank you for rocking with us, being present with us, dropping these jewels. 
I definitely got to give you your flowers and commend you on your journey yet again. You have an incredible story. It is extremely powerful and so much that could be taken away from that. I'm inspired. I know anybody that here, this should be for sure. We're going to be inspired. And now we know we're going to do karaoke inside the California women's. Hey, let's do it. You call me anytime you guys need. I'll do it in the the men's prisons too. I mean, I, I, to me, it's like, I'm not just female focused. I'm just people focused, you know, straight Straight up. Whatever you need in this area, because I don't know why I'm drawn to it, but I, I've always been like, I have a lot of feelings around prison. I don't know why, right. Right. but I do. Well, we appreciate it so much. Right. It's a, it's our mission in life to improve yeah. it. So we definitely yeah. want to uh, keep keep the conversation going. Look forward to seeing you when we're, when we're in LA. We'll make that happen also. All right, cool. Definitely. Thanks, guys. Take Absolutely. care. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Bye. I remember I ain't have a dollar to my name. All these things I overcame. I didn't came a long way. Yeah, yeah. I don't take losses. I learn lessons. No lie. No matter what happens, life's a blessing. I don't believe in coincidences. Third eye wide. I saw universal law taught me the tools to be implemented to protect my peace. Try not to stress our feet. Divine design is purpose behind every breath I breathe. Who would have thought I'd be one of the greatest to do it? Been through some things I never get over, but somehow I get through it. Resilience manifested from brilliance came from chasing the millions. Millions don't seem too real when you ain't never had nothing and everything. You know it's drug dealers, thug niggas, prison pimps and hoes. It's cold, but that fire desire for better days burn like a blaze, and that drove me in a way to escape these mental plays. Oh, a lot of minds internalized. Chris, that was just an incredible conversation. Amazing. Absolutely. Man, that was that was just incredible. But it's about that time, Chris. It's about that time. You know, as we do at this time, I got to give you your flowers, man. You always show up and show out. And presence is priceless. So thank you. I got to give you your flowers, dog. Well, I appreciate it very much. Great interview and back at you. Absolutely. I'm going to accept mine. I'm going to accept mine. And speaking of flowers, I got to give you your flowers. You who tuned in with us again, presence is priceless. So thank you so much for tuning in with us and soaking up this game and spending this time. And we would love to hear from you. Please tap in with us. Tap in with us at thelastmileradio.org. Or you can hear this show or any show anytime on the SXM app. Oh, yeah. Be sure to do that. I'm Maserati E. And I'm Chris Redlands. And this is The Last Mile Radio on Sirius XM. No lie. I, I've been on a journey for a while. Finally, I see the last mile. I've been on a journey for a while. Finally, I see the last mile. I'm paving the road to success. Hey, I'm paving the road to the best. Wait, I'm paving the road to success. Hey, I'm paving the road to the best. Wait. No lie to the best ways To increase the success rate Define odds against us even when it's unexpected Changing the world by changing the way we view the world It's all perspective